you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. American architect, systems theorist, author, inventor, philosopher, and futurist, Buckminster Fuller. This quote made me think of why we launched this podcast in the first place. Not to fight against all the models that we struggle with in our world today, but to offer solutions like Sir Ken Robinson did with his thought-provoking case of creating an educational system that nurtures rather than undermines creativity. If you haven't watched Sir Ken's TED Talk in a while, I encourage you to go back to it. It's got over 72 million views. And you'll see how the concepts he talks about are still as valid today as they were in 2006. Sir Ken's TED Talk reminded me that all children have exceptional capacity for innovation and that creativity is as important as literacy in our schools, but we tend to squander it. I could ponder deeply about that for a while, and I'm always looking for ways to increase creativity and innovation for our next generation of students in the classroom. Sir Ken said something else that hit me on a deep level on this famous TED Talk as I sat at my desk, listening to his words, knowing that he's been gone for some time, but he's not really gone. His legacy lives on as he makes me think about his words and write this episode, making connections to past episodes and speakers, and sharing these thoughts with you, wherever you might be listening to this podcast. With one of his examples, he said, If you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with anything original. When he shared a story of a four-year-old who wasn't afraid to be wrong, And then he brought it back to how school teaches us that mistakes are the worst things you can make. Making me think again, am I afraid of making mistakes? Not so much anymore, but take me back to seventh grade. Being wrong in class in front of everyone probably would have prevented me from trying in the future without someone there to encourage the idea of failing forward, which is such an important concept for us to all learn early. With today's episode, On the neuroscience of change, I'm hoping we can all take Sir Ken's advice and be prepared to be wrong with the hopes that it somehow moves us forward. Looking back and connecting the many dots over my career, I know I wouldn't be here today on this podcast if an educator didn't sit me down in his office and show me where he thought I was wrong and could improve my work and career path with this understanding of simple neuroscience as the solution but it did take action on my part without worrying about the outcome. We've got to be prepared to be wrong first, Sir Ken reminds us. What about you? Do you have ideas that you'd like to move forward with to impact change, maybe in your school, or to be used in sports with athletes, or in your workplace? These episodes were created in the how-to format to generate ideas for all of us, I hope we can all ponder deeply about this, think about where we'd like to see change, write down some thoughts and ideas, and see if these ideas can take us somewhere new, somewhere we've never been before, as we make connections with the neuroscience of change. For returning guests, welcome back. And for those who are new here, I'm Andrea Samadhi, 
author and educator with a passion for learning, understanding difficult concepts, and breaking them down so we can all use and apply the most current research to improve productivity and results in our schools, sports, and modern workplaces. Today's episode number 209 on the neuroscience of change will build off of our last two interviews where we dove deep into why the seven habits of highly effective people book with Greg Link on episode 207 sold over 40 million copies worldwide, breaking the Covey organization through many obstacles along the way, taking them to where they'd never been before, not only in North America, but also in Japan, using many of the principles that connect the dots back to simple neuroscience years before the research could explain their success. Or Blaine Okers from episode 208, who showed us how change begins in our mind with what we think about. We'll continue to stretch our thinking on episode 210 that's being recorded later next week with Dr. John Finn, the author of The Habit Mechanic, where he'll show us how traditional approaches to being our best are outdated and ineffective and will really take our thinking to new heights when he shares the secret science behind an iconic sporting success, Roger Bannister, who's famous for being the first athlete to run the four-minute mile. But did you know that Bannister's secret advantage had to do with the fact that at Oxford University, Bannister was training to be a medical doctor? And he used his understanding of the inner workings of the body to gain a competitive advantage over all other athletes, making his training more effective and efficient. As we begin this episode, I know there are some things that are very difficult to change, and what I'm proposing here isn't easy at all. Beliefs run deep and require some serious thought. We covered self-belief and identity on episode 199, where we could actually see where our identity and self-belief forms in the brain and that this pathway is strengthened with daily practice, whether it's through meditation, a sport, or practicing an academic skill that we learned from Dr. John Dunlusky's work all the way back to episode 37. We covered the neuroscience of belief on episode 173, where we looked at cognitive bias and challenging our beliefs, which is important, especially when we follow the most current brain research. I just learned yesterday that something I once believed is no longer true as new research has already debunked it, and we found there's a more effective way. On episode 159, we looked at the power of surprise and how our brain secretly changes our beliefs. And then on episode 146 with Dr. Howard Rankin, who taught us how not to think. The goal of this episode is not to change your mind or challenge you to believe what I believe, that an understanding of how our brain works can lead us all to increase productivity and results. But my goal is to show us that hearing those words, you're wrong, can actually lead you to innovation, like Sir Ken told us, and to keep an open mind as we're learning, especially as we move ahead with our interview with Dr. Finn next week, where we'll see how the most current research leads to innovation when we're ready to make change without the fear of failure or being wrong. Just look at these examples and think about being wrong and how this could possibly move us forward to uncover a new way that makes the old way obsolete. If you're in the field of education, 
you'll likely be aware of the reading wars, where one camp believes in teaching phonics versus the whole word, and each camp believes firmly in their methodology. I know I could create a presentation for educators and show how an understanding of the science of reading could make you lean towards having more belief in the need to break words down as we're learning them and teach the skill of reading with the brain in mind. But this still might not convince a die-hard fan who's been taught reading a certain way their entire career. Is there a right or a wrong? Just keep an open mind and see if possibly there could be another way to teach a child to read with the brain in mind. Just like the reading wars, I learned about the therapy and coaching wars yesterday, where brain scans that began in the late 90s now reveal that some of the practices that exist in traditional coaching and therapy are not effective, as they're not evidence-based. John Norcross, American professor, board-certified clinical psychologist, and author in psychotherapy, behavior change, and self-help, has spent the past 15 years researching what works in psychotherapy that can be applied to coaching and therapy as well. You can read the links in the show notes of what Dr. Norcross has discovered doesn't work in therapy or coaching, but I want to focus on one particular finding that he mentions does work, and that's when the client or student is self-initiating, self-motivated, and self-aware with the ability to self-heal. Which brings me back to our episode with Greg Link, where he talked about the secret sauce of Dr. Covey's success with the Seven Habits book, and he mentioned that the secret to their success came from the fact that people who attended Dr. Covey's events were self-initiating, or they chose to be there. They weren't forced to attend his events, but when they chose from their own free will, they participated in an entirely different way than if they were told to attend. This is what Dr. Norcross noticed made psychotherapy work, and what Dr. Covey also noticed led to personal change with the seven habits. There does appear to be a neuroscience to change, and it has to do with leaning in to what you want to learn or accomplish. If you're listening to this podcast, you're also leaning in and open to change with the ideas that you're learning. This is how change occurs one person at a time. For change in the classroom, scroll through our episodes and see if there are certain ones that stand out to you as interesting and listen to those ones to generate new ideas for change and innovation in your school or classroom. I can't list them all, but I do highly recommend episode 56 with Dr. Lori Desitel on her book, Connections Over Compliance, that rewires our perceptions for discipline in our schools. Also, Greg Wolcott's episode 64 on making connections with neuroscience and SEL, episode 78 with David A. Souza on how the brain learns, and episode 111 with resiliency expert Horatio Sanchez on finding solutions to the poverty problem. If you work with athletes, don't miss episode number 38, where we connected the daily grind required for success in the sports world to Dr. John Donlosky's research of the importance of spaced repetition or episode 116 and 121, where we saw how exercise impacts academic achievement. Episode 134 on wearable devices that measure and track sleep, strain, and recovery. 163 on reading the emotions in others. And 166 on accelerating leadership for success in sports in the classroom. 
168 with Dr. Bruce Perry and Steve Grainer uncovers the importance of teaching and coaching with the brain in mind. As we prepare for our episode with Dr. Finn next week on fine-tuning your brain to supercharge how you live, work, and lead, and think of new ways to inspire creativity and innovation in our workplaces without being afraid to make mistakes like Sir Ken reminded us, we'll dive deep into the science behind habit building. We'll look closely at why some traditional approaches to being our best are outdated and ineffective with an understanding of cutting-edge science to better build our habits to create those higher levels of success in our future. And like Dr. Norcross pointed out, whatever we're learning today might change in 30 years as new science is revealed, but that shouldn't stop us from looking at change through the lens of neuroscience with the hope that what we can learn can take us to new heights in the meantime. I hope you enjoy reviewing some of our past episodes ones that you find interesting to your field of work and I'll look forward to seeing you next week with Dr. Finn who I know will take us to new levels of awareness. See you then. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.